You are listening to the podcast When Life Gives You Lemons, presented by me, Emma Levy. Having worked with elite athletes for most of my career, I've always, it's always intrigued me that a significant number of high-performing individuals have encountered some form of, of adversity earlier in their lifetime. My fascination into this grew when I had my own brush with adversity when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in May 2020, in the midst of the global pandemic at the age of only 36. During this period, I questioned whether it was my positive mindset or maybe something deeper, which enabled me to bounce back and to train and compete for a triathlon just one month following completion of all active cancer treatment. The goal of this podcast is to explore this concept further by meeting a variety of high-performing individuals who have experienced adversity, but who have come back stronger. So today I'm welcoming Eddie Clarkson to the podcast. I came across Eddie on Instagram throughout my own recovery from cancer and I was totally inspired by his page, Chemo to Cardio. When Eddie was 20 years old, he was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. At the time, he was at university studying accounting and finance and he was on the water polo team whilst attending the gym every day. He was a young, fit 20-year-old who suddenly found himself questioning his own mortality. Throughout his cancer treatment, amongst other challenges, he endured four intensive cycles of chemotherapy and multiple inpatient hospital stays of over six weeks long. Eddie has said that by the time he was cancer-free, he was mentally and physically broken. Once reaching remission, Eddie started writing a blog, Chemo to Cardio, documenting his return to fitness. He has since ran multiple marathons, ultramarathons and Ironman triathlons, raising thousands of pounds for charity along the way. I'm so excited to talk to Eddie today to ask him about his journey over the past eight years and where he found his drive and determination to embark on these challenges. So Eddie, thank you. Thank you so much for coming to chat to us today. Firstly, how are you now? I'm very, very well. I'm actually uh, training towards a challenge this weekend and I'm so I'm actually a little bit nervous. Uh, but actually really excited as well. But um, first of all, thank you very much for the, the introduction. Um, it's really nice to be speaking on this podcast and sort of going into depth about my cancer treatment, my recovery and everything in between. Brilliant. What is your challenge this weekend? So I'm going to be taking on the Wolds Way, which is an 80 mile trail route. And the plan is to try and do it in one day. Which, which when I break it down is actually the segments I've done already. So I've done sort of 30K segments of the, the routes. When I break it down like that, I think it's manageable. But as soon as I say it's 80 miles long, it's over three marathons, which I've never done before in one sitting. So that's a little bit intimidating, but I'm mentally ready and physically I'm not sure yet, but I'll, I'm sure I'll get there. And how long do you think that will take you? That's what a lot of people have been asking that, and I'm not really quite sure because it is really hilly uh, route. Um, so I've predicted anything between sort of 16 hours and 24 hours. So uh, oh. people have been asking to try and cheer me on on the route and asking for a time. And I've said, um, it could be between this hour and then four hours later. Oh, that's unbelievable. And But do you take breaks along the way? Like you have nutrition breaks, drink breaks? Yeah, so thankfully, um, my family and friends are going to be supporting me. Um, and so they're going to meet me at the villages which I walk through or run through. And yeah, hopefully they'll be able to hand over some much needed nutrition and some motivation on the en route to keep me going. Yeah. 
And what's the second longest? You said you haven't done 80 miles. What have you done leading up to this? What's the second longest? Um, so in terms of the running side, I've been, I've done an amazing trip with uh, ASICS actually, which was a Lesotho border to border. So Lesotho is a country locked in by South Africa, um, which was a 250 kilometer run, but it was spread over a few days. So it was spread over I think five or six days, um, which was amazing, but it was nowhere near the sort of the same length. So this is going to be a new feat for me. And I think it is going to be the, the hardest challenge I've ever taken. Yeah. But that Lesotho challenge, that was what, 30 to 40 kilometers a day, wasn't it? So, yeah, it ranged. It's basically a marathon distance per day. For seven um, days. For, yeah, for seven days, yeah. <laughs> so when you woke um, up the morning after each marathon, how did you feel physically? Um, physically... I was okay actually because it was just a new experience and I was just really enjoying the opportunity of being somewhere I sort of never dreamt that I would be. Mm -hmm. I was surrounded by teammates so I had three others um, running, well four others uh, running alongside me. Um, so it was really key to sort of stay motivated, stay positive with these guys and we, we vibed off each other. So if someone was having a bad day we sort of managed to plug into somebody who was actually feeling a lot better and we it worked well as a team and where did you sleep at night were you camping or so there's a couple of nights which we we camped which was a pretty brutal for me so just a i'm six foot six so i'm really quite tall and fitting in a tent or sharing a tent with somebody was quite quite interesting were your feet uh, poking out the door <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was, it gets really cold at night, um, so I couldn't. I didn't want. I wanted to keep them inside the tent, but my feet were at the one side and my head was on the other side, so it wasn't ideal. So not not many hours sleep. So um, maybe that might help with the the challenge this weekend, just because I'd be probably sleep deprived anyway. Yeah, just get it all out the way. Um, so you said <laughs> that the, you said the Lesotho thing. That was because. Am I right in saying you're an Asics front runner? Yes, I'm. Yeah. So ASICS is a community. Well, ASICS Frontrunner is a community of runners bearing an ability um, through different regions. So we've got a UK team, a French team, Spanish team all over Europe and the world. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be picked to take on this this challenge with uh, yeah three other frontrunners. That's brilliant. And what else does the frontrunner um, thing entail? Uh, so, I mean, for us, it's just they they look for a love in in running and uh, just basically movement and it really resonates with me because it's their their philosophy is a sound mind in a sound body um and that sort of links us back to the the cancer treatment and how i was feeling and what i really strive to try and achieve throughout exercise afterwards yeah yeah so let's we let's go back there then to eight years ago um, yeah. you went through your leukemia. It was hard. Like I said in the introduction, you said you felt physically, mentally broken. Um, what, at what point were you able to kind of start thinking about exercise after? And when did you start down the path of these marathons, ultra marathons, Ironman, etc.? Yes, yeah, so it was, I had to take every day as it came. Um, when I finished all my treatments, I had lost about 25 kgs in in weight. I was, as I said, mentally broken, um, and there was a really sort of scary uh, fact or percentage that I was told by the doctors, and that was that it was 50% chance that the leukemia could come back. 
Um, so after seven months of really hard treatments, I thought it could be for nothing because it could just come back the next day and I'd have to go through it all again. And that was what sort of toyed with my mind. And that was probably the, the trigger point that sort of set that mental battle, which I had. Um, so after that, I kept on taking each day as it came. I was often having visits to the, the hospital to have my bloods taken. Um, and there's points where I couldn't leave, leave my bed. I was physically just knackered. I couldn't, if I tried to tackle the steps, I, I couldn't. Um, and then there was other days where I'd go out for say a mile walk and that, and that would be enough. Um, so I had to keep on just taking each day as it came and then over say a couple of weeks, I slowly start increasing those sort of walks, but, um, it was definitely depending on how I sort of felt. So that 50% recurrence rate, were you given a period of time where that reduces after? So they say every day following it, it gets better. Um, but that was just the, the rough statistic. So that's, again, I didn't know too much about the statistic. Um, all I sort of imagined was a flip of a coin. That's what I kept on putting it down to, breaking it down to is that if you had a coin and just flipped it now, one would say, I'd get leukemia back and one would say I wouldn't. Um, they do say that after three years, they're, they're, it's very unlikely to come back. And then after five years, I've got as much chance as anyone else in the public to, to have leukemia, which was such a small chance in the first place, given my age at, at 20 is normally very much seen in either infants or um, when you're towards the end of your life a lot older. Right. So eight years down the line now, do you still have fear of recurrence or not? Um, no, I wouldn't say I do have fear of recurrence. I I think I'm very sporty now. I love going out and challenging my body. And now I'm, I would know from my own sort of feeling that if it, if it would come back, um, I think the, the issue was before is that uh, I didn't have a clue what leukemia was i'll be brutally honest when they said had leukemia i was like okay well what, what actually is that um and my my family and my partner she was well she'd watched my sister's keeper uh, which was about leukemia which, so she was obviously bawling her eyes out she was really quite uh, terrified and i was like okay um what what are the next steps how do we how do we sort this out and i actually quite well I'm very glad that I was naive going into the process. Mm. How was your mindset throughout the treatment? Were you quite positive? Yeah so I think first off when I was told I was I was glad that it was me and nobody I actually knew. Um, I was I'm super determined I'm super competitive. Uh, actually someone I used to play water polo with had uh, leukemia uh, which was I think it was about 10 years beforehand and it's quite funny but but looking back now it's quite funny i i thought if he can do it i can do it um so i was super competitive in that sense um so after my first cycle that was probably when you look back as the the worst cycle physically um i was had to go to the high dependency unit um i was on a ventilator um it was really sort of touch and go whether i was going to survive or not uh but yeah, it's my mindset there was still really strong. I just, it, it wasn't an option that I wasn't going to get better. 
Um, but it was more as the duration went on after I'd gone after the first cycle was okay. Second cycle was okay. I kept on getting infections. I kept on getting ill, but it was more after the, the fear of getting an infection. Uh, so after the second cycle, it then got worse and I sort of deteriorated quite quickly. And you, you said that at the end you were mentally broken as well as physically. And you've also mentioned um, connection between sound, um, between sound mind, sound body, because that's to do with your ASICS front runner work that you do. So how did you deal with your mental health after you'd finished your treatment? How did you get back to where you are now? Um, well, yeah, just to, to rewind, I think one of the reasons why my mental side of my uh, psychology was really affected was that I couldn't participate in sport or activity. I was just, because I was locked in a, a ward, uh, well, not locked, but that basically I was stuck in a ward for long periods of time, like you mentioned, up to, to six weeks at a time. I can't go out for a run. I wasn't allowed to go out for a swim, which was a huge part of my life then. And even though I was, at some points I was okay, I wasn't, I didn't have that release and the sports always been that release for me. Um, and sorry, what was the, what was the question then? I know I rewinded. <laughs> uh, but, uh, the, the question was how you, how you dealt with your mental health when you were mentally broken, what did you do to get you back to where you are today? Yeah. So, uh, it's very much sort of the same as the, my physical, uh, health. So I slowly took steps. Um, the first step could have been just to to socialize more to try and see friends and that was very much a, a challenge because i was a bit of a well, I was a germaphobe i was really frightened of getting another infection um so just setting little challenges to myself and then once i'd accomplished that challenge it gave me that bit more confidence and every day after i was um in remission it sort of got better and better um so that's how i sort of dealt with it and then once I progressed after a, a few months or maybe about yeah five or six months, I then set that challenge of completing an Ironman, which looking back now is absolutely crazy, <laughs> but I needed something to, to work towards. And I think having that mental challenge of preparing, giving my mind something to focus on and also that physical challenge of actually getting stronger um, because ultimately that's why I put down to why I'm here today is that physically I was in a really good shape when I was diagnosed and that sort of helped me get through all the treatments. Yeah. So how important do you think your mindset was to get you on the path towards your um, triathlons, your um, Ironman? Oh, yeah. So that's the, everything can be done physically. It's mentally whether you can push yourself or you can set yourself that goal. Um, so if it wasn't for that mentality and if it wasn't for that struggle of going through the treatment, I wouldn't have achieved anything afterwards. As in now, what I've achieved now, I wouldn't have done anything if it wasn't uh, for that cancer yeah. treatment and that running with cancer. And I think um, people think I'm a bit crazy when I say this, but looking back now, I'm glad that I, glad I had cancer and I'm glad I had to go through that uh, difficult time because I wouldn't be the person I am now if it wasn't for that. Yeah, I actually found a paragraph on your website that I was going to ask you about, and that's exactly what you've just said. So let, let me just read the paragraph that I found. 
Um, cancer has taught me a lot of things. And honestly, if we found a cure, I wouldn't go back in time to stop it from happening now. The pain and suffering I went through has made me the man I am today. It has helped me prioritise what really matters in life. So how has it affected your outlook on life? And and help us understand why you wouldn't want it to change. Um, so I've accepted a lot more. So for example, the Lesotho trip, I would have probably beforehand have said, said no, but I thought actually life is short. You don't get opportunities all the time. So say yes to more things. Um, so it's given me that confidence to actually say, let's do it and let's, let's go for it. Um, in terms of other ways that it's sort of affected me is that the, not affected me, but in a good way, is that actually little things don't bother me as much. Um, I'm not, I'm a bit more selfish. I'm, I'm, I care more about my, about myself rather than others. So we, I mean, it sounds, that sounds really awful, but actually you can't really appreciate the people around you unless you appreciate yourself. Yeah, this um, keeps coming up so, time and time again in these chats. People keep saying, um, once they started to put themselves first, um, their life around them improved, which is so interesting because yeah. it is having that element of selfishness. But selfishness is quite a negative word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's often displayed as, um, well, you say if or someone's really selfish and that sounds really bad, but actually if you don't look after yourself, how can you have the ability to look after somebody else? Yeah, which is similar to, I suppose, like the ability to say no. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and um, I think it was my auntie who said, actually, if you want to say no, you, you don't have to give a reason why. If someone messages you saying, oh, you are free to go out and say you're not feeling up for it or if you're, you, you don't want to do it, you can say no and then try and re reschedule it. You don't have to give a reason. So people always try and give a reason where actually you don't have to, you don't owe anyone a reason. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, so someone's asked me that question before about my cancer, if, I, if I'm at that stage where I'm pleased it's it happened because of the positive things that have come out of it. And I must admit, I'm not there yet, um, okay. but I am earlier down the line. So I think hearing your story, you know, eight years down the line and you can look back and see what you've achieved and see how much positive has come out of it. That is quite inspiring for me because, you know, maybe in another five years time, I'll, I'll also be able to say, yeah, that, <laughs> that was positive. I mean, I actually laugh about it now because yeah, at the moment, <laughs> I'm still quite far away from saying that was a positive ordeal in my life, even though I can see the positives that have come out of it. But it is, it's a very interesting concept. Well, I think the, the mind is, is amazing. Um, when you, I mean, obviously it went, it went through a lot during treatment. And I'm sure it did with your treatment as well. Uh, but it, it's very good at forgetting all the bad and remembering the good. And that only happens with time. So, yeah, keep uh, keep pushing on and keep going, and actually, you'll see that you'll forget about the horrible times, and you'll remember the good times. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, in in terms of performance, is actually quite interesting. I think when you've got that raw emotion that you went through during treatment, if you can tap into that, naturally, it helps you when the times are hard. For example, this weekend, when I'm struggling, nothing will compare to what I went through with treatments. Mm -hmm. um and when I was really ill so if I can just if it's just that quick flick in the mind where actually I can keep pushing for longer or harder because I know nothing compares then 
that helps and that's helped multiple times throughout my sort of Ironmans and my marathon training and, and everything. Yeah, and that's resilience, isn't it? And I, and yeah. I like to talk to guests about resilience. Um, so that takes us on nicely. Do you think that you now are a resilient person? Yes, yeah, no, I think um, last time very resilient and it's, yeah, it's a hard question to answer because there's some days where I think everyone is, if they're a bit tired or anything like that, they're less resilient as before. But if someone was to describe me and say in three words, I think resilient would be one of them. Do you think before your cancer, you were resilient? I'd have liked to have thought I was, but in reflection to the person I am now, I'm definitely not. Yeah, that's interesting. So you feel that your resilience has definitely grown, like you said just now. So following your cancer experience, all of those challenges really made you stronger, basically. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I think it's all about reflection and it's all about past experiences. And beforehand, I had a I had an amazing upbringing. I didn't run into any sort of difficulties whatsoever. So I didn't have that ability to build a resilience um, because I had nothing bad had sort of happened to me before. Uh, whereas now I had that horrible seven months, if not years, because of the the strain and the well, tortures may be a bit hard, but that's what, what it felt like at the time mm-hmm. uh, to work on. If I can keep on reflecting on on that, and then putting everything else into perspective, it's it makes me a lot more resilient. Say if something's difficult at work or something along those lines, actually, it's fine. It's only it's only work. It's not your life's at risk or your yeah mentally broken. Yeah, it just puts it into perspective a little bit, doesn't it? Do you think yeah. we do you think we can teach people resilience? Um. I think there is an element actually in sport because uh, when you're, I love to use the marathon as an example, training is about working up to the marathon and going to the marathon distance, but you can then reflect back on a, a hard training session and that builds your resilience for the actual day itself. So in sport, it's not just training for the physical side, it's for the mental side. And I think there is an element of resilience to the same extent as going through cancer treatment, no, I don't think there's, or if there's only one who's had anything harrowing happen to them uh, in the past, not to the same extent, but I think definitely uh, it can be taught. Yeah, so I, I work with um, professional athletes as a physiotherapist, so we're often often teaching athletes resilience, which is you know brilliant and really interesting in sport and I had a guest um Alice Olins who um, is a um, like a career coach and she believes that we can learn a lot from the teachings in sport regarding resilience and take it into the real world so the non-sporting world basically um, but it's quite yeah. interesting because I don't know how much we see that carry over from sport to non-sporting life regarding resilience yeah, I think resilience, resilience is all relative as well. My cancer treatment could be the equivalent of somebody else having something bad happen to them. It's, like, it's how you uh, put it into perspective uh, because ultimately I felt awful, but another experience could 
make somebody feel awful. It could be worse than mine. It could not be as bad as my experience. But for me to say they didn't feel the same as I did is I can't I can't warrant that. I can't say that. So it's all about yeah reflection in my eyes. Mm. So what does sport mean to you now? Uh, it's everything. So it's my it's my it's my work. It's my escapism. It's and it was beforehand. I don't don't put that wrong. It was beforehand, uh, but it just didn't. I didn't understand it fully. I didn't understand that it was my way to to escape the world. It was that time for my mind to rest whilst my body body worked. Um, I was yeah, I was competitive at water polo beforehand, but it, I wouldn't say that. Well, I didn't realize how much it's um, how much I relied upon it. So when you do sport, you're, you you said you allow your mind to rest. Yeah. So yeah, so I think, yeah, sorry. Um, so running is a great example for this. So I, I go out for a run and all I'm thinking about is putting that next foot in front of the other um, and say, there's loads going on in my mind. There's lots of little worries that I've got, little worries actually, whilst I go out for, for a run, everything just clears. So say my mind's foggy, beforehand I go for a run and actually everything just clears and makes everything a lot more simple. So it's a form of maybe meditation. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's my way of meditating. It's my way to 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 put everything in the back seat and actually just concentrate on my on myself. Do you never find yourself running and thinking about your to-do list and everything you've got to do at home? Um, no, no, I wouldn't say it's to my to-do list. I think that's what's I like to forget, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but I I do have some great ideas whilst I'm whilst I'm running. So it's more of a, a positive outlook instead of thinking, oh, I've got to do this. It's more like, oh actually this is a good idea. I, I should do this. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I thought about the 80 mile run whilst I was <laughs> whilst I was running, however. Uh, maybe maybe when I'm running there, yeah. maybe I might not see it as a clearing of the mind experience. But uh, we'll see. I wonder, do you think you're all kind of achieving a flow state then in your runs? Um, yeah, I would, I would say I would. Uh, um, um, again, it depends. I'm not going to lie. I don't think every run you go out and you enjoy and it's, you're in that uh, meditation. But the majority, um, I find that I've run a certain distance and I just look down my watch and go, where's that last half an hour gone? Because I can't really remember where I am I've just been just zoned in and just uh yeah keep on keeping on going yeah I need to find that <laughs> I what, what do you what sports do, do you what's your sport what's your go-to for sort of meditation um running cycling swimming yeah. um but my running is my um weakest and yeah. so every step I think ugh this hurts oh. <laughs> but then at the end of the run I feel amazing so yeah. for me sport means so much as well and again it it, it it meant a lot before my cancer but I think it maybe means even more after and I think it's because yeah. you've got full control of it don't you so when you're going through your treatment and you're not able to do certain things when you then get given that back it's it's just such an accomplishment. So every time now I go for a run or a swim or a cycle or to the gym, I I feel so good after, not just physically but mentally as well. Um, yeah. yeah, it somewhat seems like a a privilege to be able to go out and actually take part. I know 
during my treatment, I had a, a Hickman line, um, which meant that I wasn't allowed to go underwater. I wasn't allowed to be submerged in water. And bearing in mind that swimming was such a crucial part of my life and is for my for whole, my whole family, to be honest with you, uh, to not be able to do that for, for seven months is probably, well, it was the longest time I've not been in the water, <laughs> I think, for my whole life. So that when it's taken away from you, that's when you, I think you really start to appreciate what you, what you had before. Yeah. How long after you um, finished, finished treatment was your Ironman, your first Ironman? So I finished, uh, so I had my Hickman line taken out in December, uh, 2015. And then I did the Ironman in July, 2017. So two years. So it's about a year and a half, yeah. Year and a half. Wow. And as you crossed the line, do you remember the emotion that you felt when you finished that Ironman? Oh, I was an emotional wreck. I was just crying. It was, um, it was such a relief. It meant so much more than just getting that medal and finishing off. I think I reflect upon my whole experience. I'm actually quite, getting quite emotional just thinking about it now. Um, it was, if I could give that emotion and that feeling to anyone, I would. It's, I can't really put it into words and I'm not doing, giving it justice. Uh, but when you've worked towards something that means so much to you, it's, it's phenomenal. I, yeah. I, I, I wish I, you could have this feeling. I'm, I'm not, unless you have already, but just to have that feeling of all the sacrifice, all the pain that you've been through, making it worth it and showing that I'm back as a person that I'm mentally and physically stronger than I have been ever. And that's so recent after being, well, on death's door. Yeah, yeah. So I did the London Triathlon just after finishing my cancer treatment. So I can fully empathise with those emotions. Um, and I don't think I was able to reflect on it immediately after I kind of, the memories of crossing the line, I just, I remember just being in a bit of a daze, <laughs> you know? And then I think the emotion took a while to come out, but yeah looking back on that also I find it quite emotional thinking about it yeah you must have had some tears did you have some tears when you crossed the line yeah I must have but I was so exhausted yeah sure you will yeah <laughs> no it's um it's an amazing experience and I think setting yourself a goal set, uh, anyone who's going through cancer treatment now it may seem so far off and I'm sure if I was in this position well, if I was going through cancer treatment now and I was hearing someone who completed triathlons and um, what, what, what we're doing now, it seems so far off, but it's not, it's as long as you, you keep on taking each day as it comes and then soon enough, you'll be able to complete whatever you, what, whatever you want to be. If it's sporting, if it's not, it's, it's on the doorstep. You just got to keep on pushing. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant advice. And you also fundraise, don't you, with these challenges? Yeah. So, um, teenage cancer trusts was the, the charity that helped me and supported me and my family and my friends throughout the journey. So all these challenges that I've done have been raising money for Teenage Cancer Trust because um, I I really appreciate what they what they did for me. Um, having the, the specialist nurses there, the support, the facilities. Um, I was treated at St. James's Hospital in Leeds. Um, and honestly, it had been a completely different experience uh, for me. My my friends were all at university. They were living living the best life, um, and I was stuck out in cancer treatment. I was in isolation at points. It was just 
a completely different world. And I think you forget that actually the world continues. Everything keeps on going whilst you're going through treatment. And you, you feel like everything, everyone should stop and actually just wait for you to join in, but that's not the reality of it. Um, and they did it. They were great for just creating distractions, putting on nights where say, even if it was a, a pizza night or just a social occasions uh, for the youngsters from sort of 13 to, to 24. Um, so I really want to give back and give everyone the opportunity to be able to go onto these wards if they're, they're struggling with cancer um, from a young age. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing charity and I'll definitely put the details in the podcast show, show notes if anyone wants to wants to check it out. Um, have you used any specific strategies to help you get to where you are today from eight years ago? Um, there, in terms of mentally and psychologically, um, as I told you before, I really struggled with the, the idea of um, having uh, been uh, relapsing and having that chance, that 50% chance. So I, I tried a psychologist um, and honestly, it didn't work. It didn't work for me. Uh, but there was, I can't remember, I think it was one of the nurses actually on the Teenage Cancer Trust Ward told me just to imagine a massive stop sign. As soon as you're having a negative thought, just imagine a stop sign and quickly change your, your train of thought. And that did work for me because um, I'm not sure about, uh, about yourself, but for me, I was thinking about it well, basically hourly. It was just always on my mind. Cancer was always on my mind. Um, so I just tried to, to put that and just distract myself and maybe, maybe do something. So if I saw that stop sign, get up and go for a walk or something along those lines. And, and that was the thing psychologically that did help. And I kept on implementing that throughout the, the weeks afterwards and months afterwards. And if I ever got in a, in the same state again, then that's what I would probably, uh, implement, um, yeah, physically. I did. I, I contacted a cancer uh, PT. Uh, so there's some people who uh, focus or specialize in cancer re rehabilitation. And that was a, a great step as, as well. Um, luckily, fortunately for me, there, there isn't actually many within the UK, uh, but there was one who lived in my next village. <laughs> so that was really lucky. Which, um, he, I had some personal training sessions with, with him to just make sure that I didn't push it too hard. Um, but I was sort of challenging myself enough as well. Yeah. Um, going back to the stop sign, you know, think about the stop sign. Interestingly, David Smith, the Paralympic gold medalist that I interviewed, um, said that he was advised by a psychologist not to build what if bridges, which is a similar um, analogy, isn't yeah. it? Um, and yeah, I, found, it is, I yeah. found that really interesting um, because, yeah, the fear of a recurrence for a, a cancer patient is is massive. Um, and yeah, I think to share those analogies amongst other people is, is brilliant so that we can all help each other. <laughs> yeah, I think, unfortunately, for um, in cancer wards, you very rarely hear about the positive stories, um, because they, they don't need to come back into hospital. So you see and hear about the relapses, um, which they can't do anything about. And that's one of the main reasons why I set up the chemo to cardio. Um, I was, well, I was 20 years old when I was diagnosed and I, I couldn't see an end. I couldn't see a positive outcome. Um, so I wanted to try and spread the message that 
actually some amazing things happen after cancer and you've got your life to live after cancer it's not all doom and gloom yeah oh I, yeah i think that's so important um um final question eddie if you could go back in time to when things were at their toughest what do you wish you could have told yourself as you were going through those hard times that's a really difficult question um thank you i don't think i don't think i've had been asked that question before uh, if I could see into the future, so if I could go back now, as my state now, yeah. um, I'd love to say that your cancer doesn't come back. You'll be, you'll achieve some amazing things and just keep, keep going. Um, because there was options where I, I, I just couldn't see an outcome and I was really, well, I was just in a hole. I was basically couldn't, couldn't focus. I couldn't concentrate. Um, everything was doom and gloom. So I want to just reassure that that person that amazing things happen and not just in the sporting world but i'm gonna get i'm getting married in august oh, everything does work out yeah um i wanted to ask you before and I, I forgot actually um you mentioned that psychology didn't work for you why do you think psychology didn't work for you i'm not sure if i gave it enough of a chance i think i was very much in the negative headspace so speaking about it didn't really help for me um and i i think if anything i wanted i craved more of a, a distraction rather than speaking about what's going through my mind all the time um so that's why it it didn't work for me at the same at that time I, it could be because i was on the ward say it could have it could have just been wrong timing it could have been that the, the psychologist didn't work for me because it's often you have to try multiple and you find that person who works well for you. Um, so, yeah, probably didn't give it enough of a chance. But at the same time, I can only go on how I was feeling and that, what was working for me at the time. Yeah, I think like you said, if you know, just wrong time, wrong place, wrong person. There's so many different elements, aren't there? But it doesn't mean that it can't help other people at other times. Um, no, exactly. I think that's what I would suggest is actually just try everything because the worst thing that can happen is that it doesn't work. And um, so if that's to speaking to friends, if that's speaking to a psychologist, um, you shouldn't be nervous or scared to, to, to ask anything or to ask, uh, rely on others, basically, um, because ultimately your friends and your family, I'd say, are probably in a worse position because they can't do anything. They feel like they can't do anything. And if you can give them a, a job or just to, for them to listen to you, I think they'll probably much appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Eddie, where can people find you if they want to know more? Um, so I'm Instagram probably the best. So that's chemo to cardio. Um, so please, if anyone's going through any hard times, feel free to, to reach out to me um, and I can... I'm not a psychologist or anything along those lines, but I can help uh, talk about my experiences or if you've got any questions, then yeah, I'm happy to, to help. And I'll put that handle in the show notes as well so people can find you. Um, thank you, Eddie. Thank you so much for sharing your inspirational story with us. The main goal of me starting this podcast was to share stories like yours to help inspire and motivate people who are going through difficult periods in their life. 
And I really do honestly think that people will hear your story, how far you've come, and that, and that you know, when you hear that, it's impossible not to be inspired. So I'm going to go home and go for a really long run. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Emily. That's really kind words. So thank you. Thanks a lot, Eddie. Do, 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 do.